Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Keith Johnston. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by senior analyst Colleen Fazio to discuss building a successful voice of the customer program. Welcome, Colleen. Thanks for having me. So Colleen, in that intro, I said something about building successful voice of the customer programs. Is that what you're seeing out in the market or are they not so successful and that's what we need to be marching towards? A lot of companies are unfortunately still survey obsessed and any one of us could open our inboxes and see you know, the deluge of survey requests that come in every day. Um, surveys probably still have a role in programs, but so many of these programs are still struggling with that insights to action gap. Um, you know, our last survey of VOC programs said that only 12% of CX pros rated themselves as maturity high or very high. And, you know, people tend to say that they're better than they are. So the numbers could be even lower than that. Um, we are hoping to get some fresh data from our VOC and CX measurement survey this summer. And I'm, I'm optimistic that the numbers will be higher than that. Um, but by and large, I still have a job because people are struggling to show value with these VOC programs still, unfortunately. So Colleen, tell me, like, what is holding it back? I mean, there's real business need for us to get good insight back from our customer experience, but, you know, it's such a low number, 12%. Like, what's holding these programs back? You know, I think it's a microcosm of a lot of issues that came through in our larger CX team survey that Judy Weider and Maxie Schmidt just published. Um, you know, ROI modeling, the ability to say, here's the return on the investment is really low in the CX team responsibilities. And that that filters down to the VOC team. Um, the skill sets around showing value and connecting outcomes with metrics um, are low. I also think there's a communications problem. Um, you know, people assume there's a fallacy around assuming communication has occurred um, and, you know, putting up a dashboard and they assume everyone's just going to go do things with it. But there's a change management piece to this that's also really, really hard. And as I said, that insights to action gap is where we see a lot of companies getting stuck. Um, to paraphrase a notorious BIG, more data, more problems. Um, people have all this data and don't know what to do with it. <laughs> So who who really owns this then? I mean, you, you mentioned communication, <laughs> business ownership. You know, we say CX professionals. Who is that CX professional that is supposed to own this and get these initiatives going? Uh, you know, oftentimes the folks who are in the VOC program don't own the action that's required to improve the problem that they've uncovered or to improve on the situation. And I think that's that's another major problem for these programs. Um, you know, where do VOC programs sit? They sit in a CX team. Where does CX team sit? It varies. Is it marketing? Is it strategy? Is it an insights team? Is it the contact center? You know, we're seeing these VOC and CX teams sit in different places in the organization. Um, and to that, I would say there's no right answer. It's where where is the VOC team sitting that enables them to drive action? Where are they empowered to bring things forward to the senior team and to bring things forward to the organization and to drive change? So wherever they're most empowered to do that, I think put them there. <laughs> is the issue that still persists, maybe taking the sort of insights to action theme a step further, is there still resistance from like business PL owners to make changes within, you know, their lines of business? Is that still a struggle that exists within the business? I think there's a couple of different struggles. Um, one is this sort of idea of an anecdote not being representative. And, you know, I have this one customer saying something and people are wondering about magnitude. Um, so it really speaks to the need for VOC leaders to connect data points, to be able to say, we heard this in 
a listening post, a survey potentially, and triage that with, well, what are our frontline employees hearing? Or is that also popping up on social media? Or better yet, are we hearing it in the contact center? So to be able to give some sort of magnitude to these problems and or to say, it's only one customer, especially in a B2B situation where the numbers on the line are so much bigger, but this is a key customer segment or this is a key moment that matters because we've mapped the journey and we know that. So it's really putting context around these insights to help the business understand that it may only be one or two comments, but the comments are at that quote unquote moment that matter or segment that matter, or we've also heard it in these other places. So that context is really important. Um, I think Brandon, our friend Brandon Purcell, uh, coined the lingua franca idea, but this is something else that I've done some work on. Um, thinking about with the contact center especially, there's so much good stuff in the contact center that your customers are giving you for free. Theoretically, they're calling, they're emailing, they're texting your contact center. And VOC leaders need to be better equipped to talk to the contact center representatives and staff about how to pull those insights out, but they don't always speak the same language. Um, for example, another new analyst and I were having a conversation. He covers the contact center. I cover VOC. I say closed loop feedback. He says service recovery. And we seriously went rounds for about five minutes trying to figure out if we were talking about the same thing. And we're analysts. So imagine inside an organization, people are talking by each other and they're, they're trying to tell the same story, but maybe not necessarily using the same words. So it's really important to have those informal relationships as well. You're making really important points, uh, Colleen. So when we talk about voice of the customer programs, it's not just a survey. It's just not you know, singular data points. It's a system of things, right? What's all involved? What are all the ingredients of a voice of the customer program? Sure, um, I affectionately call him Liam. <laughs> it's the listen, interpret, act, monitor model, um, L-I-A-M. And so there's sort of four essential activities that we tell um, VOC programs to think about. And listening is, as you said, Keith, so important to go beyond surveys, thinking about social media, online reviews, all of that contact center, Voice of the employee, that's a, a big one that a lot of companies don't think about, um, but thinking about how to set up systems to collect employee feedback about the experience um, is also really important there. And is collecting that feedback from the employees different than the way you collect that feedback from customers? Um, yes and no. You can use a lot of the same um, tools, surveys. You can survey your employees. You can survey your customers. Um, social listening. Some companies, you know, do some social listening to hear about how a brand merger might be hitting, you know, listening to their employees and stuff like that. But I think the more effective companies that have leveraged the voice of the employee have set up specific channels. Um, Red Robin used Yammer to set up a channel just for employees to sort of raise issues about the customer experience. Um, there's an employee, a European utility, excuse me, um, that had frontline agents document customers' recurring issues and sort of raise them up systematically. Um, Capital One is a really effective process in their contact center and their frontline staff for having employees on the front line sort of say, hey, this is ha this is happening here. Is anyone else hearing this? And they've done a really great job of integrating that feedback into their program. Um, so it's really being deliberate about working ideally within the systems that your employees are already using and not adding to their workload, but figuring out a way to capture that frontline employee feedback um, is really, really important. And it would seem to me that to get the good insights, you have to connect all these inputs appropriate, right? Because yeah. how do you do that? It can be hard. You know, there's obviously a lot of vendors out there who are saying, call me because um, they can do this. <laughs> but you can do it without, um, you know, getting an expensive platform as well. I suggest starting small when you're thinking about connecting the data points. Again, you know, more data, more problems. It can be 
really um, alluring to say, we have all this data, let's put it all together and see what shakes out. But this isn't really that kind of problem. It really makes sense to start with a hypothesis or to start with a channel or to start with a segment and do some analysis and see what shakes out or do some hypothesis testing and see what shakes out. Um, for example, I worked with an organization once that was looking at their digital channel, saw a lot of drop off on one of their checkout pages. And so they assumed something was wrong with the digital experience. They looked at buttons. They were like, the UX must be broken. The UI must be broken. We decided to do an exit intent survey to see if we could get a little more detail. The exit intent survey showed that people were dropping off because they needed to get more internal approvals. So it was something that they wouldn't have figured out through the UX. It was a total customer journey that was happening outside of the UX of the digital experience. It was inside the businesses. It showed them that they had a lot more B2B customers. Then they went and connected with the contact center and said, hey, are you guys getting B2B folks coming off the website? And it turns out the contact center was getting a ton of these calls. And they were actually closing the deal, but the deal was costing them money because they had to do it on the phone. So they had to connect the data points to really understand the story. So it's really important to think about sort of how you connect the data points, what's your hypothesis, what's the problem you're trying to solve, who's gonna use the data, rather than just putting it all into like a platform and hoping something shakes down. It's so interesting. So when we're talking about voice to the customer program, it seems that you can triage certain situations. So there's uh, insights that you get that you can act on immediately, but then there's insights that just lead to more research, right? Yes, I really do think about it as, um, you know, it's you've got to have a culture of curiosity. You've got to be open to having hypotheses. Um, I think voice of the customer often leads to more research. It's very rare that voice of the customer alone will tell you exactly what to do about a problem. Often the answer requires further research, UX research, individual interviews, you know, more quant or qual studies. Um, but it's really good at hypothesis, hypothesis generation um, and also sometimes finding those unknowns. Um, at CXNA, we had one of our panelists talk about um, an experience that they had looking at their contact center data. Um, and they did run some analysis and they found a lot of silence. So the absence of voice of the customer, um, when agents and customers were talking about uh, electronic signatures, there was silence on both sides, which they said, well, why is no one talking about this? And turns out the electronic signature platform was really confusing and agents weren't trained on it because it wasn't a disposition code. It wasn't something that was part of the funnel necessarily. And clients were having a lot of problems with it. Long story short, they ended up changing vendors, but they only found that because they looked at the contact center data and they were open to sort of finding those unknown issues. Um, so it really can be sort of those very specific journeys or those unknowns, but either way, you're probably gonna just do some more digging is the answer. So is the fact that uh, many of the results of these programs um, to fix or improve, it's multi, it may be multiple owners uh, that are responsible to taking care of these issues. I mean, is that part of the reason why these programs uh, can struggle uh, in an organization? Because the outcome is probably negative for many leaders that they have a problem to fix, you know? It's an opportunity. It's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> It's an opportunity to improve the experience. But yes, um, lack of ownership. You know, the VOC, like I said, the VOC team doesn't own things. So you really have to have that executive support. I think we we shout this a lot in our research, but you have to have an executive team, an executive sponsor, someone at the senior level who 
talks about um, the importance of insights to action and the importance of data-driven decision-making and the importance of using customer insights to improve the customer experience, you know, putting the customer at the center. Um, it's really hard to do this if you're not empowered at the senior level and that everyone isn't on the same page. You know, companies that do this stuff really well, you know, USAA, Navy Federal, like that's top down. They talk about the customer experience um, at all levels of the organization. And they have done a lot of really good stuff with their VOC program because they are empowered to do it. Does a VOC team ever deliver good news? Sure. Um, I think there's <laughs> um, one of the, the great things that VOC teams allow um, companies to do is to share praise. Um, so we have actually have another podcast with um, Amex and they talk about how they share, you know, weekly or monthly. I can't remember the cadence, um, but how many of our customers want to buy Joe a drink from the contact center this week or how many people want to hire our contact center employees out or how many people want to take them to Disney World? Like they take the verbatims from their customer contact center feedback and turned into kind of a celebratory event um, using kind of the funnier things. But people really do say, I want to take them out for a drink. They solve my problems. So there can be a really nice ritual around celebrating successes and highlighting successes. Um, Capital One also has a really good internal newsletter where they share kind of the highlights of the week or the happy the happy news of the week. Um, it can be a really nice boost for the employee morale and sharing those highlights. Um, and on a really substantive level, it helps employees understand the behaviors that are leading to good customer experience and helps managers coach those behaviors. These are the behaviors that we see that are leading to those good customer experience scores and customer experience verbatims. So once we have all of these insights and maybe we have those relationships as you spoke to, Colleen, what happens next? Or maybe you can what does it take to act upon these insights that are coming out of the VFC program? Yeah, I think there's a different couple different levels of action. Um, my, my pet project is closing the loop with customers. Um, not enough companies do this. Again, our last data showed that only like 60% of VOC programs were um, effectively closing the loop. And I think that may even be inflated. Um, and I understand why. It can be daunting if you're a big program with hundreds of surveys. Who does it? How do you do it? Um, but it's really important, you know, tons of data shows the value of doing so. Um, an electric company in Europe showed that even the act of closing the loop, even if they couldn't solve the problem, just the act of reaching out reduced churn uh, by almost double digits. Um, you know, in our market research surveys show that customers really expect some sort of some sort of response and not just a generic thank you, but a thank you. Here's what we're doing. Um, even if it's a we can't do it, but thank you for your feedback. Customers are really looking to have that relationship to really feel like their feedback is being listened to. Um, so again, there are some vendors out there can help with the scale. They can use even text analytics um, to triage on verbatim comments. Anytime someone says a certain retail location or anytime someone says a keyword, it can trigger an action flow so people can get um, help figuring out who to close the loop with. Um, but that's a really important sort of at the one-to-one -one level thinking about it. Um, and then the broader business decisions are bigger as well, um, drawing that action out. And that can benefit employees as well. Um, there was an example of, I think it was Charter Communications, where they connected the, the, the complaint about the, the service providers who are in the field 
weren't allowed to change the settings on a customer-owned software while they were doing the installation. And it really left a lot of customer frustration because they ended up having to call back. The techs weren't really able to complete the call. Um, and the policy was a liability-driven policy the legal team had put in place um, to sort of prevent them from being you know, liable for touching non-charter-owned software. But putting those two journeys together, they were able to, to amend the policy and everyone was happier. So the, there's good news in that action for both employees and customers. Um, but again, it does require sort of, again, looking across these, these business lines. Um, so there's sort of the different levels. There's the service design level and also the business strategic level. In terms of your first point around responding to individual customers, I sort of see that through a B2C lens and individual replies to survey, whatever you're reaching out to them. Does that differ or is there a difference in sort of the magnitude of reducing churn from a B2C to B2B lens? It's a different approach in a B2B on closing the loop. Um, A lot of companies actually use it as part of the customer success process. So if they've done a survey with an account leader and potentially um, some folks on their account team, I talked to one company that did this really successfully, the account manager will roll up the feedback from the account level of their client and say to the, the client like leader level, here's what we heard from your team. They struggle with sign-in. They don't like the interface. It times out, whatever the feedback might be. And we're already fixing those problems. So they can feed it back at the account level and show that, you know, the company's really listening. We listened at all levels. We heard you um, while also replying to the individuals who may have given that feedback. But they can use it as sort of an account management, account enrichment opportunity as well, in addition to that one-to-one feedback, which is also really effective. And there's also, you know, you don't have to call everyone back. I'm a big fan of the one-to-many. You know, Walgreens sent an email that said, you know, we heard you. We did all this around COVID. Um, There's a company that has on their website, you know, we heard you. And it has sort of a QA and a of feedback they've gotten and what they're doing. You can put it out on social media. Um, Thinking about how to sort of get that message out there not only helps the customers who gave you the feedback see like, oh, I was heard, but it communicates that your brand is listening to potential customers, um, which I think is a really powerful thing and not enough brands think about it. When I talk to clients and mention that, they're like, oh, that's interesting. (laughs) Um, So I think that there's a lot more potential there for companies to think about how they're messaging about how, how they're committed to customer experience and how they're listening to their customers and acting on that feedback. Yeah, I do think that there's a bit of, I mean, not risk, small r, right? But maybe an old school mentality of like, why would we want to share some of the issues that we're having, right? But to your point, the signals in a very, you know, different way that we're working to make ourselves better for our customers. Yeah. You know, it humanizes the brand to some extent. So, I mean, that's interesting. So you do you believe that every voice of the customer really needs a communications plan behind it? Well, my background is in communications, so I'm jaded. (laughs) But yes, I think, um, you know, voice of the customer program should be working closely with their marketing colleagues. And hopefully they are anyway, because, um, you know, your survey cadence should be timed with your other marketing emails. So you're not hitting people with, you know, four or five branded notes in a day. Um, It really should be coordinated communications and thinking about how the voice of the customer can support those outbound communications, I think is something that could be probably strengthened a lot of organizations. Um, I've got hopefully some research on that coming eventually. Um, But I really, I think that there's more communications that folks could be doing around this stuff internally and externally. 
So, uh, Colleen, we often talk about the ideal state because everybody needs to aspire to have the best voice of the customer program ever. Um, if you don't have one or you don't have a good voice of the customer program, how do you get started? Sure. I think um, don't start by calling a vendor. Start by looking around internally. You're probably going to find, um, call it skunk works, call it cats and dogs, but someone has probably got a survey going at your organization. Um, it's rare that you find an organization that doesn't already have some sort of customer listening out there. Um, so really, I suggest folks start with an inventory. Who's currently talking to customers? How effective are those efforts? You know, what are they learning? How are they using the information? What else do they want to learn? And then on the flip side, talk to P&L owners, talk to line of business owners, talk to your contact center, talk to your leadership. What do they wish they knew about customers? And what would they do with that information? It's really important to ask that second question too, because you know, I want to know what color they like. It doesn't really matter for business outcomes if you don't run a, customer, a company that has to do with colors. Um, so it's important to figure out what the goal of the program is before you launch a bunch of listening posts. Um, and then I said, start small. Once you have an idea of what's out there, figure out if you need to start listening more or if it's just a matter of data aggregation. Um, and that will sort of help you figure out where to start. You know, Is there a particular customer problem that people want to understand more or is there particular is there a new launch that people want to make sure that they're monitoring sort of how can you align with business goals and objectives i think voc programs don't do that often enough um, they often launch a survey maybe with some metrics mps or csat or other that's disconnected from the business goals and objectives um, so making sure that you're getting aligned if you're starting from scratch how ideal, um, you can kind of build this from the ground up. Start with a really strategic approach to where you're listening, why you're listening, and how it rolls up to the higher business goals. Um, you know, make friends with your data folks if you have them in-house, in because you're going to want to run some regression analysis. You're going to want to see how things are connected to really to really build out that interpret phase of the Liam model, um, to be able to connect those data points and to come up with some insights. Um, and then, you know, on the action piece, Make sure you're following up, closing the loop, as you say, internally. So we handed you these insights. Check back in with folks. Did you do anything with them? If not, why? How can I be more effective in delivering insights? Was it the wrong time? Was it the wrong type of insight? Um, there's a GE example, I think, around giving engineers information at the wrong cadence for their sprint cycle, and they would only do intake through one platform. So it was just, they weren't getting the stuff they needed at the time they needed it. So making sure that you're delivering timely insights um, that are in a way that people can understand them and act on them. And then monitoring those insights, uh, monitoring those actions, as I said, checking in with people to make sure things have have moved, um, You know, keeping an eye on the before and the after, have your numbers gone up, um, making sure that you're monitoring your actions so you can improve the value as we come back to the end of this, uh, really trying to prove the value of these VOC programs. And should, uh, would you suggest clients centralize this from the beginning so that you can connect uh, even the smallest of insights from the onset? I think we've seen that effective VOC programs tend to be centralized. Um, there is, of course, no one size fits all. And I do think that if you are starting and you encounter some some folks who have surveys running in different parts of the organization, you can't just grab them all <laughs> at once. Um, there is some sort of a, a change management process about why it makes sense to centralize. Um, we have some research about you know what survey questions you might want to centralize and which things can still be left to lines of business or to regionals to sort of um, figure out on their own. But having central coordination is really important. 
there's um, like an infamous story about one client getting 100 surveys from one company over a pretty short period of time because all the different lines of business were sending out different surveys. So having at least a central calendar and some central agreement on prioritization around how we're listening is also really, really important. Um, and as part of that, you know, think about how you can do more finding, less seeking, more finding in your own data of VOC, you know, do we already have insights from sales conversations from that contact center? Do we actually have to ask the customer? And sort of having that as a stopgap before new listening post gets launched, I think is also really helpful when it's centralized because then there's sort of some standardization across the organization around what kind of questions we ask customers and when as well. This is fantastic, Colleen. So, you know, an, another takeaway we want to lead is that once you get the program going, you want to connect it to a tangible business outcome, right? There's good, there has to be a return on investment for all this effort. Yes. Ideally, you're able to connect your efforts to, um, you know, measurable business outcomes. I think that's really important at that relationship level. A really common place is, you know, connecting NPS with likelihood to churn or likelihood to detract. We've seen lots of companies that have been able to see those connections, um, but NPS doesn't work for every company. I'm not likely to recommend a funeral home, for example, right? Like it's not always the right metric. So figuring out how else to prove ROI. Um, and it may be, again, the absence of the VOC. We've seen complaints go down in the contact center because we fixed something on the website or because now our techs in the field can do this thing. If you know your cost per call, that's also a really great place to start. So the the reduction in something is also a really common metric to think about starting with. Um, and, you know, we can get into metrics and, you know, looking at journey metrics and all of that and more, but I think that's a, a really important takeaway for VOC programs to think about is how are they supporting those business outcomes? How are they, how are they aligning with the strategic goals of their organization? Ideally, they can show it in dollars and cents, but sometimes there's other ways to show value. And so just really making sure they continue to hone in on how they're gonna be adding value to the organization and not just running a survey program is really important. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, Colin. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or drop us a note at podcast at Thanks for listening.